I know. It's only been a week, and here we are back with another brand new episode of the Running Up the Downstairs podcast. I'm Josh Finkelman, and thank you so much for joining me here in the Downstairs. This week, we've got writer-comedian Bryn Potty coming to us, well, live at the moment when we talked, which was like last week, uh, from Nova Scotia, uh, where he's riding out the storm. So, uh, I mean, you've waited long enough. One week? Can you even believe that we're weekly at this point? I can't. So with no further ado, your latest weekly installment of the Running Up the Downstairs podcast. It's me and Bryn Potty. Enjoy. And we're back for the, our second episode of the virus edition of Running Up the Downstairs. And with me today, I've got Bryn Potty, um, who is you have a couple of you got a couple of firsts uh, against uh, for your name in this podcast. You're the first person that asked to be on it. Um, oh. That I was like, yeah, absolutely, per, for sure. Um, you're the first out of uh, town guest because we're all stuck at home. So telecommunication mm. is the thing. Um, so yeah, two big firsts for the running up the downstairs podcast. So thanks for joining us all the way from where, where are you right now? You're I'm in, uh, I'm in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. I was trying to remember last night I was telling my buddy, I was like, ah, it's the East coast somewhere. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. you're saying. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> How long you been out there for you went out at the beginning of all this or were you there? Before? Yeah. Uh, I had planned to come for like, uh, I guess it would be last weekend now. Jesus. I had planned to come for for a weekend, maybe make a long weekend out of it. Um, but then when this all started happening, I moved my trip up because they were kind of really loosey-goosey with flights. Like you were allowed to just like change things and they weren't going to charge you. And then uh, my flight back got canceled as soon as I got here. And then they closed the roads in and out of Nova Scotia. Oh, so, oh really? So like real lockdown. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm here until until they say otherwise. So, is that your childhood bedroom that you're uh, you're sitting it, in? It is, but with the caveat that uh, I moved out a long time ago, and then my little brother took over this room, okay. and then he moved back in as an adult, and he's just moved out about a year ago. So okay. this is still set up as if he as an adult was living here. So a lot of this stuff I don't recognize. <laughs> you don't take ownership over it. What's that poster on the back wall? Was... There's a Charlie Chaplin poster back there that I think was mine, but I never really did anything with. Um, there's like one of those, you remember at the malls, they used to have those stores that were just like big, like those big wooden posters. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole store. Yeah. I didn't maybe, some, one. maybe some rugs. Yeah. yeah. Rugs, and, those rugs and posters. We all. all yeah. So that, that one's from the Bridgewater Mall, one of those, which no longer exists. And then uh, up in the corner here, there's the map of the world. But when this was my room, there was a poster of uh, Cameron Diaz from The Mask. You know what? That, that's, that was a good poster to have. She was, yeah. I was I, Recently, I feel like someone pointed out to me how long ago something, uh, something about Mary was. Uh, Over 20 years now. Dude, and everyone in that movie looks how my brain thinks of them 
You know what I mean? Mm. Like when I think of Charlize Theron, like that's the Charlize Theron I think of. No, wait, Cameron Diaz. Sorry. Yeah. Blondes. Um. Yeah. The the I, that's Ben how Stiller I as well. Right. Like I picture them as like I guess our age now was probably what they. Well, not Cameron Diaz, but the rest of them probably were about. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Weird. They, they don't look that different now, though. Honestly. Money, it keeps you young, is seems to be the uh <laughs> the recipe, right? Fair um, enough. So how long how long since that was your room? How 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 many years have we oh, go back? Geez. Uh it's gonna be like about fifteen years, I think. Or is that how long you were in Toronto for? Or are you Yeah, it's gotta be, yeah. I guess so. So you moved out here for like how old were you when you moved to Toronto? Uh seventeen. And I'm thirty three now. Was it for school or was it for your life? Yeah, it was for that stupid Humber Comedy program. <laughs> uh, we're not sponsored by Humber Comedy, so you can... As you can, as you can tell by my gripes. It was fine. I shouldn't... Like, it was, it was like, for people like me who, like, live in the middle of nowhere, it's like... Uh, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot easier to go do that than to just be like, I'm moving to the big city and I'll just like have to work. Like it was like, you know, you get a loan to kind of fuck around for a couple of years, meet a bunch of people and figure it out. Whereas like, if I would have just gone there, I probably wouldn't have lasted at all. Like if you were from Toronto? If I would have moved to Toronto at 17 from Lunenburg and just been like, I'm hitting the open mics, I probably would have, you know, I would have been back pretty, pretty quick. Like the whole, I'm moving to LA to be a movie star. In the- it would have been that, yeah. Um, but like just a much, sa- I, which I guess I did do actually. Like I pretty much did do that and only a much more like shitty low stakes version of it. And now here I am back again. <laughs> yeah, it's the Canadian version of the Hollywood story, right? Uh, yeah, I guess a it young is. man from out east with big dreams comes to Toronto. Um, did. Did you finish Humber? Did you do the whole? I I did both years. Yep. <laughs> Although there was a teacher, there was a teacher strike at the end of the second one, so it was like a little truncated. Yeah. And so, so you do the two years. You're like me. Like I, I did film school, and by the end of it, I was like, "Why did I do this?" To the point where now, like twenty years later, people are like, "Oh, should I go? Like, is film school a good idea?" And I'm like, "No. Like, mm. learn, do other things, and then make your own shit. It's it's a whole different world." But um. So you finished school and you've like now postponed this sort of living in Toronto, trying to make your way situation by like a couple of school years. But how did you, were you already like, did Humber put you in the scene already? So it wasn't. Oh no, no. I fucked around for a really long time. I moved into a house with a bunch of dudes and it was not a good good scene. And I lived in Calgary for a little bit and then I came back to Toronto and just, kind of bummed around a bunch of dish pits and factories and shit. And then um, I guess I like, it would have been a lost year or two there just kind of doing whatever, just, you know, writing stuff and not really doing a lot. And then I would have joined a sketch troupe a little after that. And I mean, kind of still just bumming around ever since, but uh, I guess more success no just bumming just bumming around ever since pretty much but like making a like but then like i guess supplementing my income with with writing and company so i think i think the first time i met you was um i can't remember if it was after you joined the boom or if it was before you joined the boom but i feel like one of my first memories was something like i kept asking dan like who wrote that sketch who wrote that sketch and he'd be like oh that was brand that was brand 
or it was something yeah. like I'm bringing this guy into the boom. Like it was just, I remember meeting like my first introduction to you wasn't as much of a, a like wasn't as a performer. It was as a writer. Um, yeah. So do you yeah. see yourself more as a writer even now or at the Oh time? yeah. The performing stuff, like it's just, it, I, I really just did a lot of performance. Uh, I say did because God knows when anyone's going to perform ever again, <laughs> but like a lot of it was, was it this right? We're all former right now. Yeah. Like, the former something. No one's doing nothing. Uh, yeah. It's really just because the, like, I, I was not able to like make money or connections just writing because if you're just writing, like I don't, I still don't know. A lot of people somehow are just writers who like meet other writers somehow without having that performance aspect to it. But the performance aspect was always just to kind of meet people and like kind of put me in people's faces so that I could like talk to them later. It was never something that I loved to do. It was always a, a means to an end really. Do you feel comfortable on stage or is it like a struggle every time you get up there? Uh, it's a lot better now, but I really like, I mean, Hannon and I do sketch stuff and like every time before a show, we're like, how can we possibly get out of doing this? I wish we didn't agree to do this show. And then we do it and every time we're like, Oh, it was fun. We had a good time. Good job. But like before, absolutely without question, like the whole day, we're just like, it's ruined. We're like, I don't want to fucking, it's like hanging over our heads. It's, it's not an exciting thing for either of us. I can, I can, relate, to, I can relate to that. I, I, uh, I've, I, yeah, I don't know. Cause I guess I've done like on stage stuff since I was a kid. Not that I do any really anymore, but like, I mean, just the stuff with the DG special and, and whatnot. But like when I was a kid, I remember being a teenager, like stage, like being on stage was nothing. Like it was easy. It was like, I want to be out there. And then you get away from it for a while. Like, you know, you become a high school student and a, you know, university student. And like there's other things and whatever. Um, and I found by the time I got back to it, uh, I was just like, Oh my God, this is terrifying. Like, you know, you meet people who do it. And like, for me, it was never, it wasn't that it wasn't inviting or it wasn't anything like that. It was just like all my, any anxieties that I ignored were just like waiting for me right at the stage. And then, yeah, you do it. And like, by the end of it, I was like, Oh, that's great. I can't wait. Can't wait to do that again next week or whatever it is. And by the time it rolls around, I've already forgotten and am anxious again. Yeah. It's not so much an anxiety. I don't know. Like it, it depends. There's, there's two different reasons why I don't like it. Like, there's the one where if we're on or like, and this was a big thing for me with the boom where I didn't like performing and like a lot of the times on the shows that I go on, like if like the people in the boom were so good, like they were like as performers, they were all just like so solid. And I really like, I was good friends with all of them, but I just, I, I looked up to them as performers so much that I just felt like me going out there performing with them i was gonna like bring it down and i was like i was just worried about like not being like on the same level as them and i still have that with like when i'm on a show that i think is really good i like I, i'm just and i just i don't want to go out there with these people because like it's like gonna fuck it up or if it's on a show that sucks i'm like this fucking sucks. And I don't want the people in the crowd to think that I'm with these losers. <laughs> Double-edged sword. You're like, are you okay? So here related to that. Cause I think this very much defines me to some extent. It's that old Marx, uh, Marx brother saying where it's like, I don't want to be a part of any club that would have me as a member. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, and I literally, like, when I was in film school, my fourth year screenplay, I wrote, I, I tell a story to a lot of people because it still baffles me that I managed to somehow do this, but I ended up, I'd done all the work for the screenplay prior to this, but I basically wrote the actual script um, in about nine hours the night before it was due um, because I am a procrastinator and had left it. And it literally, I started at like one in the morning after the Super Bowl because it was like due the day after the Super Bowl. And I'm like, well, I'm either going to pretend to write this and not and pretend to not watch the Super Bowl or I'll just watch it and then write it all night. Um, and so I handed it in, thought it was terrible, didn't look at it for like the two weeks between when I handed it in, when I um, had to meet with my prof about it, um, read it like two days before I met with the prof and was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, this is 20,000, like this is my entire education down the drain. Like I just blew it. And I sit down with him and I was not a fan of his in a huge way to start with. Uh, but first my TA tells me that she's like, I could totally see this being made into a movie. And like, you know, telling me how much she liked it. And then he gave me like a B plus or something like that. And I was like, immediately lost all respect for the program and just was like, I was like, I what am I, what's the point even? Like if I just handed you garbage and you loved it, why am I even? But, what was, what was it about? Uh, it was about, uh, uh, what was it cowboys and I sort of tweaked uh history and uh put like the end of the cowboy times with the beginning of Hollywood and it was about a, a guy who runs off to be a stunt dri- stunt rider in uh, Hollywood instead of a bank like escapes a bank robbery and hides out in Hollywood as a stunt rider is basically the the idea and I've got this script like the only the only thing I have of it is a literal paper copy of it um because every computer that I'm sure it was saved on is dust by this point mm-hmm. um but i've always said i was actually <laughs> i actually was thinking about this the other day because i have a bad tendency of starting things and i'll get back to i'll relate this to you in a second but um, i start a lot of things i don't finish them like a lot of re- what are uh, ultimately really good ideas that i just never follow through to the end um but that was one that i always that i came to me fully formed i knew you know i came to me in a class one day like all major the major points of the plot and i uh and I've always meant to go back to it and make it like an actual like readable script. But I was just like, well, that'll be the thing I do after I finally do something real. Like that once I've got one under my belt. Yeah, of course. Better, yeah. That's the one I'm going to go back to and like win an Oscar with or some, you know, shit like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but now I've realized that I'm now middle-aged as disgusting and painful as that is to, to think about. Um, and I was like, well, fuck, what am I waiting for? Like, I really should pull that out and go You're back. You're in quarantine to- now, man, too. Like this is the time. It pretty much right now I'm teaching myself Photoshop. That's my, uh, my quarantine, my new quarantine skills are going to be, I can get flour. So I'm teaching myself Photoshop. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but so that's my question for you is, do you find, what's the hardest part of the writing process for you? Because are you from the beginning, like I'm sure you were outputting stuff like, you know, finished product to at least beginning, middle and end. So where do you struggle the most with in terms of, of getting something finished? Um, I mean, well, like you say, like if there's no uh, incentive to get it finished, then I find it hard. I'm getting, I've gotten better with it over the years, but like, you know, we're all human beings, right? Like we respond to incentives. So like, if it is just, you know, me, like I would, I would love to write this movie by myself. It's like, well, what's the, what's the point? But like, if you, like, that's always the hardest part, especially in Canada, right? Where it's just like, well, what's the, what's anyone going to do with this? Like, what's, what's the reason for me to do this other than it's fun, really? 
with writing especially or it's like you, you know until you like meet people that you're going to pitch things to and like the, there is a chance that by giving them this script you will get something back in return someday it's very hard to motivate yourself to do it that's why for many years i only would write with like writing partners because that way at least it was like there was somebody holding you accountable sure so i was like so yeah just like motivation is 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 a very hard part but it's the kind of thing where like once you i found that once i got started it, you just get used to doing it and then it's a lot less but even still man like i'm i don't know like there's a lot of stuff that i would like love to write if i had the time and now i've got nothing but time and i'm like i don't want to do that like <laughs> what's the what's the point Holy, i've been i've definitely had that um i've been having that for for a while now like before um all this happened not necessarily when i had time but as i've gotten older i'm like well if i'm really not finishing things then like am i really is this should i really be doing this and like you start to especially without um i feel like without outputting anything from like uh professional is not the right word um but like you know uh in the sense of like doing it on a deadline or like having a place to output it like you know uh for example, uh, the, the here I'll use this to segue into the article. So um, you just published an article on Medium.com uh, that has gone a little bit viral uh, from what I've seen, which was uh, which I only found out about actually after you messaged me. Like I'd seen the article, but I didn't realize that it it had caught on in in the way that it had. So I want to hear about that um, from that perspective, but. Is that something that you wrote? Um, just you're like, hey, this is funny, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write this, or was that something that you were, um, you know, like on a deadline to do? Like, is that a, a thing you have with media? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, Cam Wiley, who's a Toronto sketched guy, when the pandemic started, he started this medium blog called the the online journal of thought and perspective. And he just put a call out that was like any comics who like, you know, you know, don't have or are losing income. He's paying people out of pocket. I think like 30 bucks an article. Awesome. Uh, and I was like, I'll just do like, I, I didn't want just to take as much. Like I, I still have money coming in. I'm still employed. So I was like, I'll just write you this article for fun. And like, you know, it'll be a fun chance to to do it. And like, I was looking through just stuff to write about and then I came up with the idea and then I, yeah, I sent it to him. So it was, it was really, it, I wasn't on a specific deadline, but it was like a, like I had a place to put it. It wasn't like I just was putting it out into the world totally randomly. It was like, it was pretty loosey goosey, but yeah, I put it out on his blog and then it, uh, it did really take off last week. It was really something. So let's talk, let's talk about it. What's, Tell tell us what the article is about, and then and then uh, get into the the trajectory a little bit because it, it is really interesting. Actually, it's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the article is called uh, "Once This Is Over, I'm Finally Going to Beat Up the Manager of Boston Pizza," and it's about like just a guy who is so angry about what happened to him before at a Boston Pizza before this started that he's plotting his revenge throughout the entire. Uh, lockdown and yeah we posted it i guess tuesday and like it i don't know it's the kind of thing like most <laughs> this is such a mean <laughs> thing to say to everybody but they um most 
comedy in Toronto that I have been involved in my lifetime does not really break out beyond the Toronto comedy community. I'll say like, it does not find like a, like it's good and people like it, but it traditionally does not break out beyond a certain audience. And this one, for whatever reason, it's all people like it's, Uh, I've been tracking the shares on Facebook or the ones that I can, and it's almost exclusively not Toronto based at all. Like nobody in Toronto, like a lot of my friends don't really know that it hit because it's like, it's not being shared in the city. It's all small towns across it. It's really big in, in Alberta, but like, and Nova Scotia, but it's like, it's all small towns and suburbs who are sharing this and not, I don't think anyone in Montreal has shared it at all. No one in Toronto, Vancouver, they don't give a shit about it at all, but it's like, it's all rural areas and it's like spread enough that it's like, I think it's at about 400,000 reads at this point, but like, wow. Yeah. Last night, last I had seen, I think, I think I can't remember if you told me or if someone else had told me it was like 350, 350,000, which is insane. You know? Yeah. Itself, right. Um, <laughs> And then I've gotten just a lot of crazy, like I track the responses just to read the comments, but I've, you know, I can't get too into it, but um, we've gotten mixed reviews from the Boston Pizza Corporation, I'll say. (laughs) We've had some email correspondence with them, some good, some bad. Do do they not realize it's satire though? They do, but uh, anyway, I I don't want to get too into it because I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. And then... uh, Something also happened that I'll tell you off air that uh, was is surreal and is kind of like a real twist ending to this whole thing. That's, so. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of viral never goes in any version of what you expect from from the few examples that I know personally and the and the larger ones that you just read about and stuff. Um, but uh, it. <laughs> It's it it's funny that you say it's only catching on in like these sort of areas of the country because like you write it in a very it, it's like such a specific voice um, mm-hmm. that is not something that is all that um, common to say like I grew up just north of the city and I've spent most of my time in Toronto but it's like you know it's very much like uh, outer edges of the GTA slash like you know the north the the west the east like it's very much outside of cities so it's i found it really funny that it was that's where it was catching on do you find that like the stuff that you can see is it being shared um knowingly as a joke or do you think people are sharing it as like yo check out this guy's got crazy during quarantine uh it seems like a solid like 90 percent of people know it's a joke but there there is there are a number of people who don't know that but um, <laughs> do they reach out to you? Like how, how much uh, outside of the Boston pizza stuff that we can't talk about, like how much have you, how, how much uh, feedback, let's call it, have you personally received or is it all filtered through the blog and stuff? Uh, not a lot. It's, 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 it's again, the only platform that has really caught on is Facebook as well, which is another thing like, because it's people who don't have Twitter accounts and don't go on Reddit who are sharing it. So like, I really just read there and they do not bother to check who I am or like what, like <laughs> no one's really bothering. And it's, it makes sense. Cause like how many times do you read a, an article and like follow up with who wrote it? Like never. That's fair. That's fair. 
And I, and again, I didn't know that articles like comedy articles could go viral. Really. I like, <laughs> I've never seen it happen before. I doubt it'll happen again, but it was a fun week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I, you did a, you did a couple of radio interviews too. I did a radio interview in Edmonton yesterday. Uh, How's that? And then, and then a radio station in Cal. I, I don't know. Some radio stations apparently have been talking about it. Um, without my knowledge that I found out after the fact. That's amazing. Have you been like looking for it? Are you someone who, I guess let's couch it in that question. Are you someone who chases the, the like yourself out there? Like, are do you, do you Google your name a lot? Like, are you looking for that conversation or? Well, this has never really happened to me before. So like I normally know, but like when I started noticing that it was like, people were sharing it. I've, you know, I would, I'm, I'm also like working a day job still like okay. from home. So I have to spend a lot of time on the computer anyway. So yeah, I would say that while I was working every like hour or so, I would kind of check what the comments and stuff were. Nice. I don't know. Um, it's, it's hard not to be like a little curious. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I if I knew people were talking about me online, I would probably be looking up, looking it up. Um, luckily, no one listens to this, so it'll be all right. I'm just <laughs> kidding. There's like five people who who do. Um, but we're that's growing. Great. We're growing. That's all that matters. Yeah, um, that's that's the that's the thing. Is like is like this uh, that that article. Like I'm I'm, I'm never I'm not going to follow that up. Like it's not going to keep growing from there. But a podcast is all about consistency and, and getting yeah. it bigger and bigger. And this, this is so where you're, you will be, let's see, we put out, I put out two previously recorded at the beginning that I already had. So the global pandemic finally inspired me to edit them together. Um, and you are two of basically four that I have scheduled for this week and next. So yeah, we're, we're, we're moving into regularity. So we'll see if we can, we can keep when it When do you think this will be out? Uh, my guess is either this Monday or next Monday. I, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to release them chronologically or not, but, um, you might want to put this one out soon. Cause like I say, you don't know how long that article is going to be up as far as Boston pizza is concerned. They are not entirely happy about it. Oh, <laughs> you know what? All right. So, so if you're listening to this on, uh, on April the 20th, um, that is the Monday, um, which I guess is what for 2020. It's like, Oh shit! Time of twenty. To That's going to be huge, right? So there'll be something to listen to. Um, so let, one of the questions I usually start off with, but we 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 started elsewhere. But what was the dream? Like, what was the dream when you started, and um, where do you see yourself in that journey? Like, are you? Has it become something completely different from where you began, or do you still feel like you're plugging away at it? Um, I mean, when I started it, it like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never really had like giant aspirations to like make my, <laughs> make my mark on the world or anything. I just really wanted to like be able to, uh, make money doing writing, which I have not made enough to like live on yet. Uh, but it's like, I, where I am on that journey now is like so up for grabs. Like I have no clue anymore, honestly. Like I spent all that time in Toronto and the thing that I did that became the most popular I did from my fucking childhood bedroom. <laughs> so like, so like that just throws the meaning of everything up in the air as far as I'm concerned. 
who pandemic. knows what's going to be the pandemic pandemic has upended us all. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your favorite thing that you, that you've done up until this point? Uh, I would say uh, everything that I've done with Hannon, as far as definition of knowledge has been my favorite output and the most fun. And uh, we have an album out that I really love and we've done a lot of great shows together. And that, I would say that that's my favorite thing. I was hoping that's, uh, I figured that might be the case. So I was, uh, I was hoping we would get there. I'm just trying to manipulate this conversation where I want it to go. Um, but you're yeah, a good interviewer, right? I'm working on it. Um, but definition of knowledge is if, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to definition of knowledge, like, um, Bryn and Hannon are two of the funniest people in the city and uh, their album is amazing. I have seen you do definition of knowledge so many times. It is always funny. It is never, ne- even when I've seen the same, like uh, when you're doing the same material, it's still always amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite acts, but why don't you get into a little bit about where it came from? Uh, because I think it's, it's such an interesting uh, connection between a whole bunch of different things at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Hannon and I were in the sketch group called the boom with your friend, Dan Gallia. Uh, and was that your friend too? Yeah. Well, he's, he's more your friend. than my friend. <laughs> you, right, you guys are closer. I don't need to, we don't need to pretend otherwise. I mean, but, um, uh, yeah, we were in a sketch group together and, um, both a there was a guy in the troupe who did slam poetry like not as a joke and we wanted to make fun of him for that and then there was a show where everybody was doing their own thing instead of sketches so people were doing stand-up and then uh people were doing (laughs) very problematic raps uh, and we didn't really have a thing. So we were like, what if we did like a poem, like a slam poem to make fun of this fucking guy. And then that wound up being like, like a pretty big hit at that show. And then we just started doing it at, at those shows. And then when the troop broke up, we, people asked us like to do it still. And so we did. And then we were asked to, um, a manager from LA saw a tape of us at a boom show and asked if we were still doing shows and asked us to come down for a meeting and to do some shows. So we just started jumping on shows to practice for that. And we went down, we had our meeting, it went well, but they were like, you would have to, they're like, look, I'm never going to represent anyone in Canada. I do not care about Canada at all. I will not go there. I don't know why you're there. If you were to come here, then I could help you out. But if you're there, like I have no interest in you. And we were like, well, we kind of spent all of our money just on this visit. So I don't know how we're going to fucking move down here. Thank you very much though. What was the reaction to that? Just out of curiosity. Well, we were just like, okay, cool. Like we didn't say no. We were just like, all right, great. And then uh, that was the, like everyone knew what was up over that. It was just kind of like, but anyway, so uh, after that, that was a tough, uh, that was a tough pill to swallow. We came back to the city and kind of didn't really do a lot for a while, but then, um, we started getting booked on a lot of like kind of like all female shows and all like women of color shows kind of started really popping up around that time. Right. 
and they started inviting us on them. And like the responses we were getting from those crowds were like, so well, we should keep doing that. Like, it was just a kind of like, <laughs> again, speaking to who we are, what we like to your thing of like not being motivated, I guess, like, it's really always just been people have asked like, why aren't you doing more? Or like, do you want to do this? And we're like, okay. Or like, you're, are you still doing that? You should. And we're like, yeah, I guess we should. Like, it's never a like. Reluctantly re- dragged into pr- productivity. Uh, in that case. Yeah. I mean, we, but like, it's just because we're fr- like, we would nine times out of 10 rather just hang out and smoke weed and go to a movie than do a show. Yeah, like, no, I- it's, I mean, I don't blame you. Someone's already made the movie, you know, it's way, way less work. I always, I always feel anxiety from people telling me they want me to, to do stuff. A buddy of mine wrote me something the other day and was like, yo, you need to write more. And I'm like, there's part of me that just, uh, that, that I'm like, you've read like nothing that I've written and you're telling me to, you know what I mean? Like it almost like it's, you struggle to find, at least I struggle to find uh, anything but anxiety in those uh, in those those moments because you're like torn between. I, maybe you're the same, maybe you're not. But like I always feel torn between feeling really like uh, happy that someone believes in me, and then also immediately feeling terrible that I've already let them down. You know, it's like mm. oh well, I haven't written anything yet, so I'm failing at this moment in time. But do you find, um, which I guess I always chalk up to like imposter syndrome, you know, like the idea that you you don't belong in the space that you're in, um, even though you probably do, and you're just inside your own head. But do you find because of that, uh, we'll call it lack of motivation or whatever, like, um, do you find it hard to? Do you find that it's like difficult in those situations because you know you haven't done as much as someone else, or um, or maybe you have, you know, like I'm just like I just have such a hard time saying no that like when people ask me to do pretty much anything, I will like look for a reason to say yes, just because I like I just want to make that person happy in that moment, and then like pretty much my whole like I don't know in huge air quotes career has been people being like, has been me being like going through a cycle of feeling guilty because I'm not doing enough. So asking people to do stuff or being asked by people to do stuff and me not knowing how to say no to it. And then getting into a situation where I've just got too many things going on at once and then getting burnt out and frustrated with it and then not, and then taking a break and then feeling guilty on that break for not doing enough and the cycle starting all over again it's almost like which has continued into quarantine somehow it's almost as if writing is a uh stressful and uh sort of cyclical it's like the snake eating its own tail you know like no matter no matter what end of the circle you're on it's always gonna come back around at some point um Mm. do you find that you do your best work when you're like overly busy or when you are on you know, like I can focus specifically on something. Uh, when I'm too busy because it like, uh, it just, it just, it, cause it gets done. Cause like, it's like, well, I've got this time now. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put the time in and finish it. And then, or like, it's like, if I need to have it done, then it'll get done. Whereas if, if I'm not doing anything, you just it, like, you know, with writing especially, you you become way too particular about certain words and certain 
things that are working or aren't working. And instead of just being like, I just need to push this out and then I can fix it later. You just get so like particular about everything. And I just, it's just never good enough. Whereas if it needs to be done, then it's like, well, it's good enough because it's, it's done. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I, I feel that about like for me, like give me a deadline and generally I will thrive. You know what I mean? Like, which is yeah. not totally the way um, that it generally works or at the very least, like uh, not at the beginner level, I guess. Right. Um, but I've always been like, I've always thrived under a deadline. Like give me a moment where I can't work on something after it, then I'm able to like, divorce myself of it and send it out of the world like i might think it's terrible i might hate myself at the end of it but once it's done and i can i'll be able to let it go whereas like if i don't have a deadline or if there isn't someone waiting for it on the other end or like something like like these podcasts where i can you know uh talk myself into postponing or whatever it is um i will i'll take that that opportunity to like avoid letting it releasing something into the world because then it's still mine i guess do you find it hard to let go of things um when you're finished them or do you once you're done just like i'm out um i guess it's a mix of it gets it gets like less it gets like less fun the closer it is to being done because it's like once you start something it's like all it is is like the wonderful potential of all these great cool ideas in your mind but then like all you're doing from that point on is like making difficult choices and then it's never as good as like it's never as good as what it is when it's nothing at all and so the closer you get to done the more it's like okay well this sucks like i didn't get to put this in there this kind of sucks this didn't turn out the way it was. and you're just like doing damage control until it's finished um i find can you be objective about your own work or oh yeah step away from it no i'm like i'm i'm a pretty harsh harsh critic of my own work i would say i uh i don't uh i i'm not too like fawning over things like if things aren't working i will like that was the thing with um in the in the boom as well like whenever a show would run long, I would always be like, cut the thing that I wrote so we can get the show over. If the show's too long, no one's going to like what I wrote anyway. We'll do it another time. They're not going to like it, not because it's bad, but because the show is too, let's just like, just get things, make things that work. I don't know. No, I'm not, I'm not too particular about it. It's like, whatever, like not too, I don't know. I don't think that I'm like out there, creating some like master work that the world needs to fucking see. So <laughs> you're having, you're, you'll take one for the team when necessary. Yeah. And like, whatever, like, I, I don't think that it's like, um, I forgot the question. Uh, it was, um, uh, can you be objective about your own work? Can you- oh yeah. Who cares about it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, if you, if you like really like, I don't know, it's easy to kind of tell what's good and what's, what's not like, I, I watch a lot of movies and read a lot of stuff. So I can be like, is this around as good as that? If not, then like, why not? That's that, it's funny. I, I, when I watch stuff, I can always, I feel like I can always see the skeleton of it. So like um, we, were, I was, we were talking about, uh, I was talking something about like how some Netflix shows are really great. Like I've, I've been watching Ozark um, and it's a great show. I enjoy watching it, but it's not like, I can see the strings. I can see um, as they're happening, I can see, I'm like, Oh, they wrote this so that this person ends up in this place. And like, it's all Mm -hmm. great. They're acting well. It's written well, but like, it's still, 
um, like I can see the puppeteer, I guess. Whereas like something like Breaking Bad or Sopranos, like it's much more organic. It's much more natural. It, you don't, things sneak up on you because you're not looking for the strings. Um, and I find that uh, I, I always struggle with that in my own writing where I want it to be that Sopranos uh, Breaking Bad level where it just feels natural and it it uh, it flows from one step to the next. But the reality is, is that you have to start with like that, I guess like marionette level where the strings are visible and then remove them from the the piece. And I've been trying to come up with this sort of like theory about how that works. Cause like I say it almost negatively about like for Ozark, for example, which is I, like I said, a show I really like, um, but that's my criticism of it is it's all, it almost feels like uh, simple in some weird sort of way. Um, but I say that coming from a place of like, well, what have I written that I can <laughs> demonstrate this? You know what I mean? Um, but it's weird because I think it's such a, it, it's like a weird writer mentality that, um, that no matter what else I do, I always like take solace and like my brain works the way I think a writer's brain should work. Um, do you feel like a writer specifically, or do you just feel like someone who is writing? Uh, I feel like a writer, I guess. Like I'm a pretty like weird dude who like does it all the time. So like that must mean something. I mean, and like I've gotten paid for it like before. So it's not like I've like never done it. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was sort of like I didn't ever want to call myself that before I got paid for it but then now I have so I'm not as like it's easy not, once there's a paycheck associated there's yeah it, it's not my full time job but like it's you know I've, I've made more money on it in the past in the past I've consistently made some money on it right. for the past couple of years and that's enough for me to be like it's not what I would have wanted, but it's, it's, it's not, uh, not nothing. It's all part, it's all part of the <laughs> uh, All right. On that note, we're going to take a super quick break, uh, get a load of my sponsors. Um, and we'll be back in just a moment with more Bryn Potty. This is Dave Dunville listening to the running up the downstairs podcast. Hosted by Josh Finkelman's Twitter and Instagram account, KJosh Radio. And your fucking cat just bit me! Fucking bitch! <laughs> and we're back. That was my one sponsor. Um, big shout out to them. Uh, and we're here with Bryn Potty. Uh, so, Bryn, uh, you've done a whole bunch of things over uh, that aren't just your own you know, sort of individual writings and that sort of thing. Um, so, like, what's the biggest thing you've done up until this point? Boston Pizza article. Uh, I wrote on a, a, a cartoon that um, uh, is the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, like, TV adaptation. Nice. I wrote three episodes of that. I would say that's, like, by far, you know, it's a pretty big IP, so... Did, and they were made on on yeah. The, the tele- How did that feel? It was amazing. It uh, it felt great. It felt like things were really starting to happen for me, and then years went by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hurry, hurry up and wait is what I've always heard. Uh, were you part of the, that writer room? Like, was that a writer's room kind of experience? Or? Yeah, I was brought in at the end of the first season uh, when they were just kind of trying new people because they would with those with that show they did like their 11 minute episodes and it's i think a 24 episode season so they're doing 48 episodes 
very quickly. And so by the end, they just, everyone's burnt out. And so they just bring in like whoever. So I was brought in to do one. And then a couple months later, they started the second season and I brought it. They came into the writer's room again for uh, two more. But the way that they do it on, I think most Canadian cartoons, especially, they don't have the budget for a full writer's room. So you'll go in for two days. You'll go in, everybody pitches for a day, you come up with a certain amount of episodes, and then the second day, you go in and break them all down, and then you just do the rest of it from home. Oh, cool. Um, what was the, what, like, what were the, how did you get into that? Like, how did you, how did they find, you find your way into that room? Uh, it was kind of a right place, right time thing, where I had, um, I had written a bunch of specs and pilots, and I was at like a friend of mine had written on the show and he recommended me and I had a spec of another Canadian kids show uh, that it had turned out. I had no idea that it had turned out that the producers, like the guys running the writer's room were the head writers for that show as well. And so they were like, Oh, he knows how to do this. And then they brought me in. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's all about who, you know, sometimes, right? I think that's really it. And again, that was like, I really did think that after doing one show that that would uh, get me in people's heads, but it, man, it, uh, it has not quite worked that way. Um, what other, what other things have you written on? Or like, um, uh, there's a show that I was in the room for that. I don't think my episode came out for called uh, Miss Persona. That's like another kid's show that's out. It's uh, and then, um, <sighs> I I can't say the company, but I'll say a large company owned by the largest company in the world picked up a show that I had created and I wrote uh, nine episodes, like fully written them. Uh, this was for, to be an audio show. Cool. Um, and we were about to go into production and then they canceled it right before they started production. What was, um, what was that? When was that? Uh, last summer and then this fall the exact same show idea came out with that company written by an snl writer and not by me no yeah like when you say exact same like Uh, you thought about lawyers or no it's there's not much you can do it's like different enough but i'll say that the main character is a real guy is based on a real historical figure that not a lot of people are talking about. We'll say, and they, uh, Wait, is this Hamilton? No. Yeah. It's <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> Wait, did you write Hamilton? Yeah. <laughs> That's um, why I was so happy when immortal technique beat that guy up. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> there's a violent streak going through your jokes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is, what's the dream? Like, what do you, if you could be anyone when quarantine is over, um, are, do you see, like, are you like, what would you want to do the most in terms of like getting the rights of it? I don't even know anymore. Like, again, like this whole pat the whole quarantine has really fucked me up because like I've had a big success relatively during it. And it was like from just like writing an essay, which I never really, like I've written art like articles before, like I've written for like Beaverton and I've written my own articles and stuff. But like this one was so 
big that it's just like, well, why aren't I just doing that? Like, why am I worrying about fucking trying to impress like some, you know, Canadian kids show producer? Like, or like, why am I worrying about like writing like a movie that like, who is going to finance when I can just be doing this stuff on my own? Just putting it out for, for folks in the, in the, in the suburbs and in the small. Yeah, exactly. It's an untapped market. I mean, yeah they've got they've got trailer park boys and they've got letter kenny and that's it and they're huge letter yeah because letter kenny's massive these days. yeah people people like seeing you know everybody likes seeing themselves on screen you know I, apparently i mean you could be brad pitt's favorite new idea at some point yeah you see that he like bigged up letter kenny on uh some red carpet back in the before times like i did not know that that's great oh, yeah, someone asked him what he was watching or something like that on some red carpet and like i don't know when it was january or february or something and he like called out letter kenny and was like oh man it, there's it's a weird do you find being a canadian um let's say canadian creative that there's like a certain weird um that everything about it is super embarrassing well, not somewhat, but like, okay, so I have this really weird relationship with Canadian content because like when I, like coming up, I always hated anything just because it was Canadian because it always seemed like, um, like low budget. It always, you know, like Canadian books were always like uh, people having sex in cornfields for no apparent reason that I could figure out. Like these are the books they make you read in high school. Well, maybe not totally sex in the cornfields, but the stone angel is a terrible, terrible book. Um, but like it just, all the Canadian content that you would sort of have, at least that I had access to back in the day, um, to grassy even, which I mean, people love, but was just so cheap. Like it was the, the, the quality level just seems so cheesy. And so like, I've always had this weird sort of, uh, not anti Canadian content, but like, uh, you think of it obviously like lower, right? But then now that I know all of these people and sort of like am, you know, maybe one foot in that world, I, there's this weird sort of um, unreasonable pride that I have when something Canadian is successful, even though um, no fault of my own. Like I don't even watch Letter Kenny, but like when, you know, they were all of a sudden like, you know, they're po- oh, they're successful. You're like, oh, nice. Like, I mean, K. Trevor, I guess is, you know, I've met him a couple of times, uh, but like he doesn't, we're not friends. But at the same time, like I take a weird sort of pride in Canadian success. Do you feel, and I'm not even really part of the community. Are you, do you feel somewhat of the same, like with, with when you see people sort of succeed on that level? It's a weird thing. I know what you mean. Cause like the thing with, I hate whatever who cares Uh, like the thing with so much Canadian content is when you see the final product it does just look always like government workers made it like it looks like (laughs) it looks like uncle's camcorder yeah not even that it's cheap it's it just looks like it's been it's it it all just looks like it's being done by people who clock in at nine clock out at five This is what they put out into the world. And it's not like it's, it doesn't, none of it seems really like it's like there's passion behind it. It's just things that are like, you know, (laughs) CBC has got to fill this time slot. So it's a lot of risk to it. Like Murdoch. Yeah. That's a bit. Yes. Not a lot of risk, but at the same time, how like after witnessing firsthand, just how passionate and fucking hard you have to work to get the, like table scraps of like like because in the states you could like work like there's a lot more challenge like there's a lot more competition but at the same time you can make a living writing jokes on a game show 
Like you can be a staff writer for a fucking app and like, and you are able to buy a house. Whereas here it's like, you are just grinding it out like every day to get a fucking part in a commercial. And that's like your whole, that's like the, like, like that's seeing that grind firsthand. There's no way for me to begrudge any piece of content that anyone makes ever at this ever again. Totally. Because it's just like, even if it, even if there's at the top level of like who's funding it and who's like producing it, doesn't necessarily have like a lot of drive in a lot of cases. The people who are out there fucking trying to get this shit at like are the most driven people in the world because the odds are so impossible and like the reward you get is like you know, you get a spot on a, a Murdoch mysteries where you're yeah. stalking an old timey shelf and like you work your whole life for it and hats off to you when you get it. Cause like, it's, it's insane. No, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, there's something I, I always, um, I work with a girl who I'm hoping actually will be on the podcast uh, soon. And she, uh, she does the, like her, the hustle that she, that I've like, sort of tangentially watched her um sort of you know put out there and like the like she does like really cool stuff and um you know I, I always joke with her I'm like I'm always so proud of her but like what how why am I proud like I have literally had nothing to do with it other than to probably way too um uh, enthusiastically um talk about how much I like the stuff that she does um because sometimes I'm just like overly effusive I guess um and she's like 18 years younger than me and like just really really entertaining but i'm always like every once in a while she's like okay i'm like i'm gonna go now. i'll just be <laughs> see you, see you, later. you know it's just like um but yeah so i always find this like weird um just pride at like people that i i'm acquainted with um or have like you know walked past on the street sometime uh, i'm like oh they did it you know meanwhile it's the murdoch mysteries and stuff it really just- is uh just because you know how hard it is, man. Like, I like it's. And Murdoch Mysteries, have you have you watched it? I uh, from uh, once in a while, a couple of times, I've seen it. I've talked about it on numerous podcasts, but it is wild. It is. Um, yeah, like uh, season thirteen is on CBC Gem right now. <laughs> There's a couple banger episodes that are absolutely some of uh, you. You know, we said that. Canadian TV doesn't take risks, buddy. There's like, like Thomas Edison is a character in one. And like, uh, there's one, there's one where like they try to poison, uh, Wilfred Laurier with a, with a butter tart. There's like, there's, there's one more Murdoch, like invents a stabbing machine. Like it's, it's absolute. No, he gets framed for inventing a stabbing machine and killing somebody with it. It's wild. I don't know what's more amazing about that, like the to- like those plots specifically, or the fact that Murdoch Mysteries is on for a thirteenth season. Yeah, that is amazing. I had no, no it's that is because <laughs> they all look exactly the same, like they were shot just at the tail end of the eighties. They do, but they, they like at some point, and I think early on, like they hit the like Family Matters button of like he can change it, like they like. They they like did a one eighty of like what if it was just fucking insane, yeah. <laughs> and from that point on they just stuck with it. That's 
You know what? I actually, I, there's i I'm going to have to check that out now. I think, you know what? I <laughs> should check that out and, uh, and we'll have to come back at some time. That there's a, that's a podcast right there. Maybe talking doc episodes of Murdoch. I mean, 13 seasons of Murdoch mysteries. Yeah. Yo, that may be, all right, we'll talk about that later, but that may be, an idea. <laughs> someone should take that up. If not us, um, 13. Wow. All right. Anyways, moving on. Uh, um, <laughs> when they say you learn something new every day, <laughs> it really did. Uh, <laughs> that's derailed me. I want to go watch Murdoch mysteries now. Uh, Start at the end and work your way back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story. You'll be able to follow it. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's amazing. Um, do you ever going touching back to I was just because we were talking about uh, Canadian content and stuff. So like going back to a little bit about the agent in the U.S. who's like, oh, you're in Canada and I don't care. Um, you ever feel um, like how how serious have you ever gotten about moving down there? Because I always feel like one of the one of the worst parts about being like living in Canada and again first world problems but like we live in toronto right like you were able to move to toronto from you know outwards but like once you're in toronto there really isn't anywhere else in the country to go like not to say toronto is the best but just in terms of like opportunity and city size like i guess you go to vancouver but like that's a completely you basically have toronto vancouver maybe montreal if you have some french i guess maybe ottawa if you're into politics but like when you're in the u.s like you could literally end up anywhere for the most part like you've got seven or eight like large city options that like i mean maybe aren't affordable but like you know have opportunities like that whole idea of chasing the dream to la i guess right there's no real equivalent in canada i guess unless you count toronto uh, but have you ever felt that like how serious have you ever gotten about i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get that visa or get down there uh i was pretty serious about it for a little bit but it was <laughs> it was for a lady uh and she is now married so all right ship has sailed (laughs) (laughs) i mean at the very least or there's a reality show in it that maybe you should seriously consider uh but that's that's actually an interesting uh an interesting aspect do you um do you find that like being in a relationship or like having you know a relationship related distraction let's say makes you more or less productive uh i'm just out of a very long relationship well i guess it's been a year since that now jesus um i i can't make any conclusions about that yet i'm still kind of uh in the process of processing uh that kind of stuff fair enough i've often (laughs) i often have this weird and i don't know and i don't know the answer because like i'm the opposite like i've been um very single for a long time um and uh and i find and there have been times where i've thought you know if i didn't have this aspect of you know whatever to think about that i would be more productive but then also i think well if i had that if that aspect of my brain was occupied i'd have more like actual things to do and so the actual writing might not even get done even though i might be more in the mindset to do it in some fashion so i always find it an interesting perspective from people um, in terms of how it affects their their work i guess I guess it's like, eh, it depends on who you're in a relationship with, I guess, and how much work goes into different, anyway, (laughs) something something that I don't, I don't quite know. uh, (laughs) I don't know. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, So we'll, we'll keep the, we'll we'll keep that question (laughs) for next time. Uh, (laughs) um, What are you, what are you working on? Like what's current, 
what's your next thing you're working on? Like, what are you, anything you're excited on? Like, I know you're saying more essays and stuff, but. Uh, I'm updating my website during the quarantine and then um, uh, just entering a couple of like essay contests and uh, we'll kind of see from there. Like I didn't expect this last thing to take up my whole week. I thought it was just going to be, I put it out and then moved on to something else after that. So I don't know. I'm kind of in a real, um, like I say, I've got no deadlines right now. So I'm in a real, transitional period are you are you enjoying it like i mean as much as forgetting the pandemic aspect of uh of the 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 situation i always i I always feel like you know i know me personally i always say like oh if i had more time if i you know wasn't working all the time or whatever and now that like that situation has arrived with a healthy dose of worldwide trauma. It's like, be careful what you wish for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you find that you're like, obviously the success aside in terms from a work perspective, like a, a writing, pro- I mean, you're working from home still, so it's not quite um, as free as it might've been, but do you find like, do you feel like you're being more productive now than you were prior? Oh Yeah. But I mean, like, that's just a lot of that is just because I'm like in such a totally different place. Like if I was still in Toronto at my apartment, I would probably be, um, who knows, but like where I am now, like, you know, it's, it's like you, like all of my routine is different. So I'm able to like, it's a lot easier to be like, I'm going to start a new routine when you're in a completely different place than if you're just like, Oh, you know, everything is shut down. So I, I've been able to like take advantage of that. I think pretty well. Nice. Yeah. I've been trying to start like new, new routines. Like I'm, uh, I've like, I, I was still getting paid, but we're actually starting to work again, I guess in the next week or two. So I've, Oh, they're opening the store back up. No, it's uh we're going to be doing like from home stuff, um, like text-based chat and whatnot. But like, there's going to be like a, like a structured life that I'm going to live again, scheduling wise. And uh, like actually having to work uh, rather than sort of just having being like able to do my own thing. And so I've been, uh, I've, I felt the weight of that, like it almost deadline like, and so I've been trying to like uh, structure my days a little bit more in the last like week and, and coming up uh, to it. And also like this podcast, once they started talking about like, oh, it's not just going to be us sitting at home, which I mean, makes sense. Um, I was like, oh, shit, I really need to get some stuff done now. Like, you know, like not only uh, not only this kind of stuff, but like you know, trying to make sure I have like stupid things that I'm going to need. Like I have this, I was telling someone I've been, I've been making my own coffee. I'm like addicted to shitty Tim Hortons coffee. Um, I live above a Tim Hortons. So it's just, I would just go down and get coffee every morning. And now that's not a thing I can do. Um, so I've been making it in this French press, but it was like this shitty French press. I bought at Ikea when I moved in this apartment, like seven years ago and then never really used. And now it's starting to get like, I've been using it for a month straight and it's, a $10 Ikea French press. And I'm like, shit, I'm like, if I'm working from home, I'm really going to need to make sure this, this situation doesn't like slip through the cracks. And like, I don't have any way to make coffee. So I like ordered a new French press and shit like that. And I'm just like, this is my life now. These are the little things that I am looking forward but to. Like, what is anyone doing though? That's, is that's there the anyone thing. that you've talked to where you're like, Whoa, they're killing it. Like no one. 
Not a single person in this situation is right? driving. It's uh, well, some I, I not told. I, I feel like Dan is thriving. He seems to be okay. Yeah, producing he's... more. But other than Dan, everyone, <laughs> else is, uh, everyone else is struggling a bit. Which which makes me feel better at the very least. Um, I was there was a thing I saw where it was like the it was it's ironic that like for the first time in the world, first time in the world has never been better able to understand each other and but physically further apart uh, or something like that. Like the whole world is in the same boat, but I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's, that's very fair. We are all in that, uh, in that place. The Tim Hortons in the city are closed. eh? No, they're, I didn't know that. they're open for uh, like takeout. I think like, I think you can run in Like if you order through the app, I think you can order through the app and still pick up stuff. But why, why are you doing that? Uh, it just feels outside feels damn. My sister's a doctor. And so I've been getting a healthy dose of, so to speak, uh, paranoia about just what, just being outside at all. Yeah. Like even go, I mean, part of it is I live in a building. And so like to get outside, you gotta like walk down a hallway and there's like a big stairwell. Mm-hmm. Like it just, everything outside feels dangerous in some way. Um, I'm trying to like break that too, but it just feels like every time you go outside, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a risk or something. So I'm just like, I live alone. I, I mean, I live alone, so I, I have the advantage of uh, it's both an advantage and a curse. I never, never in my life did I think I would be like thirsty for a hug. Yeah, I mean, like it's so like uh, I, <laughs> not that I'm on it at all, um, very much anymore because it's just a wasteland. But like, I changed my Tinder profile today to say something. Along, what was it? it was something along the lines of I've reached the stage in the quarantine where I'm fetishizing accidental, incidental, normal, like, you know, uh, touches like, um, someone just brush accidentally against my shoulder, you perps or something like yeah. that kind of thing. I was like, I was never that person, but fucking it's been a month. What? I've been considering like starting a, a, a Tinder or uh, something like that. Like what is going on on there now? It's uh, anything. Mean, Are people on there? Everyone's making, I mean, well, both. So both Tinder and Bumble, I, this is really getting, getting off topic here. Uh, <laughs> hey, you asked me about relationship stuff that I was uncomfortable with. And I'm asking you about relationship stuff that you're uncomfortable. Oh, with. Oh no, I'll talk about it. It's fine. I just, <laughs> everyone pause. We're fast forward about 30 seconds. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, the, from what I the, take this from someone who a hates all online dating shit, um, because I am not a upfront visual person. Like you have to, I'm an acquired taste. You're not going to see me on an app and go swiping. Uh, but that being said, um, I still go on it. Like everyone else, we're all thirsty. Um, it, there's nothing it's, they both, at least both the two main ones like Bumble and Tinder have all have opened up the world now. So now not only can you be, um, re- tacitly rejected by like the people who are in your relative area but now the entire world can swipe past you um without oh because it's just supposed to be for like chatting now yeah so and like if bumble's got like a tag where you can like name like i'm virtually dating literally it's just i always compare it to uh it's just like window people window shopping like I think there are people out there and and one of my buddies is very adamant about it being much better everywhere else you go. Like everywhere outside of Toronto is is a better um better situation for online dating or something. Yeah. Um but regardless, uh it's it's just I, I think some people do really well on it. I think women have, you know, a lot of uh choice, not necessarily 
uh, a lot of good experiences, but there's a lot to choose from. There's, there's a lot, of, a lot of great choices. Yeah, I always well, that's the joke I always make is that like they're two different. It's two different sets of problems. Like women have uh, the problem of like plenty. There's tons of options, and they're all shitty. And guys have um, very few options because you're not matching with anyone. I mean, some guys I'm sure. Maybe this is just me, but like you don't match with anyone, so it's like a it's like you do match with someone, and you're like, ugh. I don't even remember swiping on this person. I'm not really, what, how did this happen? Now am I an asshole if I don't met? It's a whole new level of anxiety to a uh, human relationship. And there's, and there's no one to, there's no one to tell you that it's not a big deal. Right. Exactly. You're just, <laughs> you just best, have to live in it. And the best part is I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, what's the best outcome that comes from this? I match with someone and then what? I actually like the chances of like, I feel like now during this pandemic, like there's, oh, I'm not, for sure I'm going to meet someone I like, but like, what's the point? And I can't see them. I can't, you know what I mean? Like there's, it would be like the double, the, the double-edged sword of it all, you know? What's the point in anything anymore, man? Well, tell me about it. Well, hey, you know, the U.S. is going to open up soon. We can all move there or something. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really great. <laughs> Everyone's really excited for them to open up. Yeah, it's uh, you know just I you like to know that the people in charge are taking your have your best interest at heart. Um, all right, man. Well, yo, I I really appreciate you uh, you being a guest. This was great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks. You had been talking about doing this for a while, and I just wanted I always I always have fun when I run into you. So I'm happy that you that you had me on. It's great. This podcast is is to some degree becoming a way for me to actually spend time with people that I love bumping into in the world. You know yeah. I mean? um, like you, uh, Dave Merej was on uh, last. Oh, great. Um, and Merej and I have a very similar <laughs> relationship to to you and I, where like literally he i would bump into him on the street for like a solid 10 years like every couple of months we'd bump into each other on the street you know stand around talking for a while and then go our way like i have a picture of him from i don't know five or six years ago at uh lakeview on my birthday and we had just bumped into each other like he was inside the the restaurant i was outside and it's just like our hands on the glass um and then yeah and i have a very similar relationship with you so i'm really glad that that this worked out, man. Um, yeah, that's city, we will definitely uh, have to accidentally run into each other again. <laughs> okay, well, if, we, if, this, if we ever take the subway again or the street, yeah, uh, this has been great, man. I'm glad things are, are, are going all right out there for you. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, let me know when this website? goes up. What's the what's, what's the website address so everyone can uh, doesn't have it doesn't exist yet. Ah, right, <laughs> all right, coming soon, coming soon. Yeah, to, uh, if it's out by the time this comes out, then uh, I'll I'll record myself saying, and you can dub it in. Just dub it right. Out. I'll just edit it later on, and the and just add it on top. I'm getting okay at logic these days, so great. Uh, seamless for sure. Uh, but Brim Potty, man, it's been great. Thank you so much. Uh, if you haven't checked out that that article yet, uh, hopefully it's still online. Um, and it's about uh, Boston Pizza and uh, and a guy named Dave. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brim, man. This has been great. All right. Thanks for having me.